This podcast was made possible by the ALF Silicon Valley Network, with a special thanks to our Leadership Circle members and our 2022 Exemplary Leadership Award sponsors, Cisco, Sobrato Philanthropies, Silverlake, ALF Class 18, Adobe, Deloitte, and HP Inc. Thank you. Welcome to The Dialogue. Our guests today are Jessica Paz Cedillos and Vanessa Shi, co-executive directors at the School of Arts and Culture at the Mexican Heritage Plaza. I talked to Jessica and Vanessa about their ability to pivot during the pandemic, their journeys to leadership roles, and their organization's mission to catalyze creativity and empower community. Let's listen. Jessica, Vanessa, thank you so much for joining us. Tell us a little bit about what it is that you do there, um, what your mission is, maybe a little bit about the history of school and arts and culture. So the School of Arts and Culture is really lucky because we're housed at the Mexican Heritage Plaza. The Mexican Heritage Plaza was built in 1999 by the city of San Jose under, you know, the advocacy and leadership of, um, you know, longtime Latino leaders like Blanca Alvarado, for instance. Um, Since 2011, Mm -hmm. the School of Arts and Culture has been charged with programming and maintaining the space. We are a long-term operator. We have a long-term lease with the city of San Jose. and we offer, you know, significant core programming here um, that really has helped make us, I think, you know, the heart of East San Jose. So the Mexican Heritage Plaza is a six acre facility. We have a 500 seat theater, a gallery, a pavilion, a beautiful plaza, a garden, and many of the folks in the South Bay um, at one point or another have been to La Plaza for an event for a festival, for a production put on by one of our community engagement partners. So it is a known um, and revered facility. And our mission is to um, inspire creativity and catalyze community. Um, We, you know, have really come into our own as an organization over the last decade, whereby I would say it's really a fantastic thing to be able to call us out as a community hub where creativity and social action intersect. Tell me a little bit about some of um, the School of Arts and Culture's successes in the last year or two. What, what do you kind of when you're out in the community and talking to folks in the in your network, what are some of the things that you're proud to 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 boast about? You know, I I think I have to say um, the school is really lucky in comparison to some other, let's say, organizations and communities that have been hard hit by the pandemic. Right. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that um, and I'll speak for Jess, too, that we're proud about is the fact that we're still here as an organization, Mm -hmm. as a community hub for both, you know, the creative sector, as well as our local neighborhood. Um, The fact that we were able to really adapt, you know, our space, our staff and our programming during the pandemic to really respond to community needs. Um, I'm I'm grateful and appreciative of that opportunity um, to serve. And I'm extremely proud of this organization and this team that continues to serve in that capacity now. 
Mm-hmm. So during the pandemic, we fed over 50,000 people, and that was done in partnership with Second Harvest of Silicon Valley. We also were able to test 15,000 residents and vaccinate 25,000 of our neighbors. And that was done in partnership with Gardner Health Services. And so, you know, when Vanessa talks about, you know, our team, this space and how we were able to serve our community in a moment of need, this is something that we are proud of, right? In a time when arts and cultural organizations shut down, we doubled the number of people that walked through our doors. We went from serving 70,000 people a year to having over 150,000 people walk through La Plaza. What was that experience like in an organization where people were coming together both for need and to contribute, uh, being an epicenter for, mm-hmm. for, for those things? What was that experience like? What, what are some of the takeaways? You know, uh, one of the things that I love about working with Jess and I admire about her is her passion, right? And also, mm-hmm. I would say um, her, her unwillingness to concede especially when communities are at stake, right? And by that, I mean the fact, like, I think like at first we, like, we were like, hey, uh, I was getting off the plane mm-hmm. from coming back from a vacation in March, 2020, when the first shelter in order went into effect, uh, shelter in place order went into effect. And um, Jess and I kind of like, well, what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, this was also like the one year anniversary of Jess being on the team and, wow. I think that we just kind of looked at each other and we said, hey, we know what the assets are of the plaza. It's the space, right? And it's the it's our team that knows how to move people through the plaza. And so I think that, you know, for for me, we often joke about, well, you know, there's that line between tenacity and stupidity. And sometimes we just don't know on what side we're on it, right? You know, on what side we are. But I think that that's part of, you know, digging in and knowing that we are going to find a way to serve the community. And the fact that Jess feels that way, she knows that I feel that way. And we knew that about our team. We knew that we could trust that. And even though, you know, some of our team members like you had just started right at the at the beginning of the pandemic, we knew that people were going to be willing to adapt because that was part of what inspired them to come to work at the school in the first place. To come to work in East San Jose in the first place was how could they be of service mm-hmm. to this community, right, that they want to see thrive. Mm-hmm. In fact, some of our more junior employees um, who've not been for La Plaza for very mm-hmm. long um, actually grew up in this community, right? And they were working in Palo Alto, right? Um, You know, they were consulting for, you know, organizations in San Francisco. Um, One was working, I think, for uh, the waste company. Mm -hmm. And for them to be able to come back to their neighborhood, right? To work for an organization that really centers their work Mm -hmm. here serving a Latino, Vietnamese, immigrant, working class community. Right. In addition to our creative sector and our artists of color, it's it's been full circle for them. Right. And so when I think about what our team was able to do during the pandemic. Right. And when I think about the uncertainty, um, you know, for me to be 
here in partnership with Vanessa, to be here in partnership with Chris, who also is an ALF senior, um, and to weather something that we didn't know how it was going to turn out. And I remember coming here. So Vanessa and I, the first few months, it was just the two of us coming to this facility, right? And really wow. sharing space and, you know, talking through what are the things that we need to do in order to meet the community where they're at and to keep our people employed. So a third of our revenue was in jeopardy, right? Like that had been wiped out. We had to, you know, cancel all of our events. We were refunding clients for, you know, deposits that they had put down. And so for us, you know, when we leaned into our pivot, um, it was beautiful. And, and you know, the irony though, v, right? Like, and she, and V is, she says this, right? It's like, in the moment, we didn't, I didn't quite understand the significance of what we were doing, right? It is only in retrospect, when I think about Gabriel, who is one of our event captains, who got to retain his job because we pivoted, who was there with a mask, helping an elder fill out her form, not, not far from each other and the risk that he was taking in doing that. Right. And I think that for our team in the moment we responded. And I think it's only when we take a moment to look back that we recognize, you know, our folks, we put our lives at risk. Right. And, and I think that, you know, one of the one of the things that kind of came out of that was, you know, 10 years ago, um, it was a real possibility that mm-hmm. the plaza doors would be shuttered, right? Mm-hmm. That this facility would close and the community would not have access to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was when the school came in. Now, it, and there was a lot of, mm-hmm. like, I would say, you know, mistrust of community mm-hmm. members because there was this, there's this um, mm-hmm. perception that the plaza is not necessarily maybe a place for me. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't see myself there. And then through the pandemic, I think that, you know, our neighbors really started to see themselves as Mm -hmm. being able to be here. They knew that they could come to us for Mm -hmm. resources. The School of Arts and Culture is um, one of five agencies in the Cisapote Collective. Mm -hmm. Right. And I know that a a number of the staff Mm -hmm. in those agencies are also senior fellows Mm -hmm. of ALF, too. Um, And and I think that, you know, this idea that as a collective, we're going to come together to more tightly knit that safety net for Mm -hmm. our communities so that people would be able to access what they needed in Mm -hmm. order just to survive. Cause at that point in time was survival. Um, I think that that also kind of honed us to as an organization Mm -hmm. to really start to push our perspective outside the walls of the plaza. What do you see um, the some of the current challenges that we're facing in our communities now? Some of that residual from the from the pandemic and and emerging challenges that we see in our community. You know, we're seeing across the country, really, but but you know, especially here in East San Jose and in San Jose and Santa Clara County. What what role will 
the plaza play in that or can you can you foresee how the school of arts and culture can play a role in that in addition to or as part of your mission so when i think about the challenges that our community is facing they're not much different from the challenges that they were facing pre-pandemic right what the pandemic did is it made it very visible right so like our essential workers are your blue collar workers that had to be out there exposing themselves in order to keep the economy running right now specifically what are the challenges right there is you know, a stark economic divide here in Silicon Valley between the haves and the have-nots. There is an affordability crisis when it comes to housing. Here in Mayfair, typically you have three to four families living in one home. Um, I think about the fact that where we are currently located in the Mayfair, I think would be considered a food desert, right? We've got liquor stores, but we don't have a grocery store, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I think about the Allen Rock Union School District and the fact that, um, you know, our children are receiving substandard education, right? They're, you know, our kids, their schools are failing them, right? In addition to them losing enrollment, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so when we think about, in addition to all of that, right, La Plaza is also in advanced stages of gentrification, the irony, right? So where La Plaza is located, we are um, on a main corridor, Alum Rock Corridor. BART is coming. We're a seven-minute drive to downtown San Jose. We are a 10-minute drive to the new Google campus. Mm. So we know that Mayfair, as a neighbor to downtown, is hot real estate, right? Mm. And so where La Plaza finds itself is what is the role that we are taking in informing the built environment in order to really put a stake on the ground to preserve our cultures, our, our identities, and histories, Right. And so for SOAC, the new body of work is community development. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and I think that, you know, part of that, too, is also reminding people that arts and cultural organizations have a perspective that is important to addressing, you know, inequities that we see. So, you know, for us, the the first step in that community Mm -hmm. development is being able to expand our programming to a property that exists across the street from the plaza. We're actively, you know, seeking to acquire that property, um, but that we also have this larger vision Mm -hmm. of how we can see, you know, um, the the areas around the plaza also developed for community. Now, you know, speaking Mm -hmm. of the same irony that just just mentioned, we, we are hyper aware as an organization as and as a team of two things. One, we want to ensure that the programming and the opportunities that take place here at the plaza reflect the current residents of our neighborhood. Right. Um, we absolutely, you know, invite visitors to come and see us and we want to ensure that we continue to serve our neighbors. Um, and then the other thing is that we are very aware too that our success as an organization Mm -hmm. that adds to the vibrancy of our neighborhood and of our cultural sector um, also adds to that gentrification too, Mm -hmm. right? And for us, we look at property ownership 
as a way to help mitigate that. Because we all know that through mm-hmm. property ownership, you are conferred a certain level of authority, influence, and decision-making power. And we want to ensure that our perspectives, like community-based, mm-hmm. arts and cultural-based, remain rooted mm-hmm. here, and that we have a seat at the table. That's right. And so when we think about the community development projects that La Plaza has in mind, one which we are actively pursuing, right? It is to serve both the creative sector and the local community, right? So our equity partner for the property across the street is Gardner Health Services, and they're going to open a family wellness center, which is lacking here in the Mayfair. Um, As it relates to our other community development projects, we are looking at affordable housing. Now, here's where the CSEP Weather Collective comes into play. What is important when we talk about housing is that the folks that live here get priority, right? Otherwise, we're not really solving the current problem that our families are facing. Are you seeing the support for the the direction that you feel you need to be able to go? Is is it there? And and um, and if not, what can help to make that happen? Yes, I, I would say yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And right. Yes. And there's always work to be mm-hmm. done. There's always refinement in terms of like, you know, with whom we can share our message. Right. I think that, you know, like most organizations, we're looking for champions, advocates, resources, which would also include financial resources, Mm -hmm. right, to support this vision. Um, We are uh, pretty lucky in the fact Mm -hmm. that, you know, this is a vision that, as Jess mentioned, we've been talking about now for a few years, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I would say that driven to the interest that, for instance, that we've seen from local city and county government is also driven by the stark need that we all see, Mm -hmm. right, for affordable housing. How do we create greater economic mobility, Mm -hmm. right? Our lens, like, of how we approach economic mobility is through, you know, culture and heritage, Right. right? And so I think that some of it is maybe asking people to broaden their own perspectives to say, oh, yeah, you can achieve that or influence mm-hmm. that through this, you know, arts, cultural heritage lens. Um, and I think that once we're kind of meet that mm-hmm. moment and that inflection point and we kind of move past it, people get it. That's right. right? Like, because I think that most people will understand or like, hey, I'm a whole person here are all the facets mm-hmm. that create who I am. Why wouldn't it also be That's for right. how an organization is moving through community yeah. too? One of the things that we heard from our city was, you know, they were very enthused that we brought a vision to them, right? And and they see the intersections, they see the need. And so they they understand the significance of what we're proposing and they're supportive. Yeah. And I think, you know, at the end, um, people who understand or who are more inclined to like look at all of our challenges systemically, Mm -hmm. right? Also understand like, hey, there is not a one-to-one solution, right? You have Mm -hmm. to kind of be able to look at the system and wonder Mm -hmm. what are multiple interventions Mm -hmm. you can implement in order to potentially change, you know, implement the change that we want. Mm -hmm. 
That's great. Um, I want to segue a little bit. I want to keeping with the theme of, of um, moving in the right direction. What would you say got you here to be able to, to do the work that you're doing now? Sure. So for me, right. When I've been successful, it's not just because of me, right. There was always a team that was there uh, to help me in my journey and my success. Um, I think about, you know, the programs that I was a part of when I was growing up, the doors that they opened, um, the risk that they took because I was unprepared, the teaching, right, in order to get me to where I needed to be, to be able to do the work that I'm currently doing, right? And I'm talking about as simple as, the first time I put a resume and cover letter together to work for the ACLU, I had a mentor tear it up and write me a new one and said, you're going to submit this, oh. right? Mm-hmm. From someone picking up the phone and saying, you don't know her. I've worked with her. You don't just need to interview her. You need to give her the job, mm-hmm. right? Like these, these are the people in my life that have helped, that have helped me be where I am today. And when I think about the work here at La Plaza, I am incredibly fortunate, right, to have a partner in Vanessa, to have, you know, partners in our team here, right, and the work that we are doing. And I've got to give credit to this team because for all the challenges that organizations experience in their different growth phases, this is a team that works hard and plays hard. <laughs> and when I came here, right? So Vanessa is your longest serving employee here at La Plaza, wow. 10 years. Tamara and Vanessa were recruited to lead this agency. And it wasn't formal, but informally, there was an internal and external leader, right? And what La Plaza did when they took over in 2011, and it was a heavy burden to carry. They had to demonstrate that an organization led by women of color could take a struggling facility and make it viable during a time where no one believed in them, right? And that took time, right? We currently find ourselves, you know, in our next growth phase, Mm -hmm. right? Where we are expanding our team, right? Our goals are big, right? And to be leading with Vanessa and to be going through change management, because that's what we're going through, um, on a personal level, um, having to reflect on, you know, how I've showed up in the past, and how I need to show up now and in the future to get to where we're going, right? Those are real questions. Mm-hmm. That, that is the reflection that needs to happen for us to be successful in our endeavors. And also, like, I don't know. So Vanessa says, she says it, there's a way you say this. And then I've heard it in, in um, I've heard it from other people too, is, and don't believe the hype, right? Like this, you got to work at this every day. Right. And and we can give ourselves credit. And, you know, if we're going to show up as our best selves, you know, we are a work in progress. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I would I would echo, you know, everything that Jess says. Um we we don't have the luxury, right, as women of color, as leaders, to really rest on our laurels. Mm-mm. Right. And I think that like, and I think that probably plays into a lot of the reason why like every once in a while we'll pause and be like, oh, you know what? We did pretty well in kind of adapting to that pandemic, right? And like coming out of it and what we've done. But you know, we don't really get a lot of opportunity to pause Mm -hmm. and to like I say really kind of celebrate that you know maybe a little bit to our detriment um for that because we're always kind of like I think most organizations right ethnic led Mm -hmm. ethnic serving um have to get on to the next thing Mm -hmm. right pretty quickly um and I would say like you know to kind of add I, I think I've benefited from you know, a group of colleagues and definitely my mentors who allowed me to make my mistakes, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and learn from them quickly so that I could be a better person overall. Right. Mm-hmm. And some of that is definitely like, you know, the grace that's extended to me by my family and friends and colleagues here that also allow me to be more than my position and my time. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Sometimes it feels like you're like as a leader, you're you mm-hmm. people are only mm-hmm. perceiving you as your title or your mm-hmm. position and mm-hmm. not necessarily as this human being. Right. That is going to have good days and bad days. Yeah. And I think that, you know, um, that's very different, especially here mm-hmm. at, the, at the school. Right. I think that we are constantly reminding each other that, like, yes, this is work that we love and we have a whole other aspects of mm-hmm. our lives that where we have priorities and obligations and responsibilities too. What would you say to other women who are um, reigniting their leadership journey or starting their leadership journey, um, who either want to, you know, follow in your footsteps or who, you know, want to just really work towards um, getting in that space where, you know, they can share a vision? One is find a group of um whether they're advocates or friends or mm-hmm. colleagues, but find a group of people who's going to tell you the mm-hmm. truth. Right. Because I think like part of it is like, as just said, like you can't always be drinking your own Kool-Aid, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, you need somebody who's going to not be afraid to kind of shake you out of where, wherever you are to break sort of like that muscle mental muscle memory that you have mm-hmm. when you fall into habits. And I think like, you know, uh, for Jess and me, sometimes we could be that for each other, but we don't only rely on each other for that, right? We also have other people in our lives mm-hmm. who will kind of like the dog whisper, right? Like push that, like <laughs> tap us to like break us out of our habit. Um, and then I would say like, you know, and I think that this is like across the board for leaders, right? But um, one, I think like, you know, being okay with sitting in silence and discomfort for a period of time versus like wanting to rush into fill that space and silence. Um, And then I would say tangibly, Mm -hmm. like, please, women, uh, let's become better negotiators, (laughs) right? Let's not also be afraid to negotiate, you know, for what we think that we deserve deserve and have our own. That's right. So what I would say is you've got to get good with where you've come from your lived experiences um, and the fact that you are a woman of color, right? And we've all got internal biases 
right? I mean, we've got overt and covert mainstream narratives telling us we're not good enough or the problem, right? And so I think that we got to get good with who we are, right? And and we've got to be able to accept ourselves and our flaws. Like I always joke with this team, right? Like, yo, English is my second language, okay? And so that means that I will not be able to pronounce certain words. That means I need help with my spelling and I am not ashamed. And there was a time when I was ashamed, right? I am no longer ashamed. Um, I think the other thing is, you know, you're going to have haters. (laughs) People will not believe in you, right? And the most important thing is that you believe in yourself. Right. Because that tenacity, right, that resilience has got to be there for when others aren't giving and for you know, when they're not affirming. Right. And, and they're like, no, why you? Right. Like, you're not where you need to be. And that is where you need to dig deep to be like, no, you know, I may have flaws. I may have gaps in expertise or skill sets, but I know that I can do this. Mm-hmm. That is great. Uh, that is awesome. Jessica, obviously being a ALF senior fellow, um, you've had the experience of going through the, the fellows program. What in your ALF experience has played a role in any of your personal or professional life or any of your, your growth, any, any part of the uh, ALF experience that, that has contributed to where you are now? Sure. So I was very fortunate that ALF came into my life at a pivotal time when I was experiencing not just what was happening here at La Plaza, but also a significant uh, family challenge. And I'm talking about a mental health challenge, right? That uh, a family member was experiencing. And, you know, as someone who, you know, grew up in East Oakland, was raised by a single mother, right, who emigrated from El Salvador, whose story is, you know, life is hard, buck up, right? Um, what I recognized during that time, right, is by trying to be strong, by building walls to distance myself from the emotions that I needed to go through to process trauma, right? I was not showing up as my best self for my family or for my colleagues. And it's still a journey that I'm on. The reason why I say that, right, is because ALF, the way the year was structured, the experts, right, that came to speak with our class, right? There was one one moment in particular, there was this one woman, and I swear to you, I think everyone in my class was like, this is better than therapy, right? So we all engaged in a session of group therapy. <laughs> and we we learn not just by having to go through it personally, but by also witnessing the questions that were being asked of our other ALF fellows, right? And, you know, this, this person, right, a woman of color, um, you know, went around the room. And, you know, what she wanted to know is what is the narrative that you tell yourself, mm-hmm. right? Like what, what, cause, and, and let's, let's explore that narrative, right? Because the narrative that you're telling yourself, you keep telling it to yourself because clearly it's helped you, right? Like you've, you've gotten to be where you are and this is the narrative that you're, you're telling yourself, 
But the challenge was, but what happens when it's actually not helping you? Can you recognize that the narrative that you're telling you in this particular moment in this circumstance is not helping you? Mm -hmm. And can you take a moment to step back and rewrite that narrative? Right. And so she was forcing everyone in the room to say the ugly thing. Right. She was like, say the ugly thing. (laughs) And so in hearing everybody say the ugly thing, I think at some point or another, we're like, oh, that's my ugly thing, too. (laughs) But because we didn't all want to say the same ugly thing, we had to come up. Well, I felt like we had to come up with different ugly things. And so the collective learning was we learn by going through it, but we learn by witnessing yeah. And the thing is, is she didn't let you she did. It wasn't just like you said the ugly thing and OK, move on to the next. She wasn't done with you until she thought, OK, you've really said the ugly thing. What is the focus of the the plaza, the School of Arts and Culture, um, for the next year, the next several years? What what are some of the main things you're hoping to accomplish for the school uh, over the next several years? You know, we are going to get deeper into that external advocacy role, really on behalf of the community. You know, when it comes to community development, right? Mm-hmm. We're seeking to really influence um, what this community will look like. Right. And trying to mitigate, you know, the consequences of gentrification here and such rapid growth. I would also say, you know, one of the things that we're also excited about working with other senior fellows um, is we have an opportunity to establish three cultural districts mm-hmm. in San Jose. That's right. Right. While San Jose has one of three remaining Japan towns yeah. in the country, we don't have any cultural districts. So mm-hmm. the ability to be able to get a cultural district uh, downtown in Japantown and yeah. here in East San Jose with the plaza at the center of it. Uh, we're very excited about that over the next several years. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's and great. just so you know, the ALF affinity group arts and culture, that is one of our priorities. And mm-hmm. so the alignment, right. Of what the plaza is doing here in East San Jose in partnership with our other creative partners in Japantown and in Sofa, the opportunity is It's there, right? And we are asking our ALF network to be engaged, to be advocates and supporters. Yeah, and I think that one of the things that Jess and I have recognized in our co-leadership, right, first informal and now formal, Mm -hmm. is that um, there's a possibility for exponential leadership, Mm -hmm. right? You are able to have exponential impact because you trust your partner or partners Mm -hmm. to have the capacity to do what they need to do, Mm -hmm. right? So that you can as well. Um, It definitely, and I think that ALF is emblematic of that approach too. Mm -hmm. That's great. That that, uh, exponential leadership, exponential impact. um, That's that's great. Um, So to close it out, how can the ALF network and and broader community uh, get get involved in the work of uh, the School of Arts and Culture? How can they support the work that you're doing? What you've laid out for the next couple of years? Um, What can they do to, to help grow that impact? Sure. So we are looking for folks who can contribute 
financially, right? Who can be advocates at the city and county level as we move these initiatives forward, who will get people excited, right? And so, you know, let folks in their network know what we are trying to create here in Mayfair in East San Jose with La Plaza at the center. And, you know, there's a real opportunity um, as we are creating and reinvesting in a community that was disproportionately impacted by COVID-19 um, to create something beautiful that is uniquely San Jose, right? That's the opportunity. Jessica, Vanessa, thank you for your time and thank you for um, agreeing to join us. Thank you. We'll see you all. ALF joins and strengthens diverse leaders, creating and supporting networks for good. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and encourage you to subscribe to The Dialogue on iTunes or SoundCloud. To learn more about ALF, visit us online at alfsv.org.